You're listening to the Quince podcast. How many people have died in India due to COVID-19? The official figures as of 28th May stand at 318,895. But a New York Times report has ruffled feathers by suggesting that this number grossly underrepresents the true state of the pandemic in India. The report from 25th May studied three national zero surveys conducted in India over the course of the pandemic. The first survey was conducted from 11th May to 3rd June, the second from 18 August to 28th September, and the last from 18 December to 6th January. From those numbers, NYT deduced that almost half of India's population, which is 68.32 crore, may have contracted COVID in the past year, a number which is a far cry from the 27.5 crore that the center is reporting. The report also states that in the most conservative scenario, the death toll in India due to COVID is 6 lakh, almost twice that of the current toll. Not surprisingly, the center trashed the NYT report, calling it baseless and quote unquote not backed by any evidence and is based on distorted estimates but this is not the first time that official death count figures have been questioned in india given india's population density the enormous stress under which an already weak healthcare infrastructure is functioning in the second wave how crematoriums and graveyards are running out of space and the lack of data available from rural india several mathematical models and media reports have pointed that Official numbers are grossly understating the true state of the pandemic in India. In our previous episodes as well, we looked at crematoriums across five states and observed that the figures are grossly undercounted in each of these states, especially in the states of Madhya Pradesh and Uttar Pradesh. You can find a link to that episode in our show notes. The question of the total death count due to COVID has crept back again as rural India is starting to show a spike in cases. which has an enormous scarcity of medical resources from hospital beds to oxygen and even testing kits but if accurate data is scarce and difficult to access from metro cities it is almost non existent in rural india where the situation is dire so do we have the true picture of india's pandemic situation in today's episode we will take a broader approach to decode the number of covid deaths in india by analyzing statistical and predictive models to help us understand how these models work and what we learn from them In today's episode you'll hear from Dr. Murad Banerjee, a mathematician at the University of Middlesex. We also spoke with the Queen's correspondents Himanshu Dhaiya and Asmita Nandi, who recently traveled to rural areas in Uttar Pradesh to understand the scale of COVID deaths in rural India. Get tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you, and I'm your host Himmat. The NYT report, which the center has labeled as baseless and distorted, analyzed that India's death count in the most likely scenario is more than five times than the reported total death count. As we stated in the beginning of the episode, the NYT report looked at three zero surveys. These surveys basically examined a subset of population, which in India's case is about thirty thousand of one point four billion, for COVID antibodies. Once researchers have figured out how many people have antibodies in this subset. they extrapolate a data point which gives them an estimate for how much of the whole population is possibly infected by covid based on the surveys the new york times crunched out three different scenarios conservative most likely and the worst case in the most likely scenario the death toll is 1.6 million deaths 
in 539 million COVID cases. And in the worst case scenario, the caseload rises to 700 million and the death toll to a jaw-dropping 4.2 million, almost 13 times to the current death toll of 3.18 lakh. But what the report suggests is that even in the most conservative approach, India's actual number of cases and deaths is higher than the official number. Now, the government has dismissed the report on grounds of the numbers being a distorted estimate. But how accurate or inaccurate can these predictive models be? The NYT report does state that given India's large and diverse population, it is unlikely that any zero survey could capture the full range. And Dr. Murad Banerjee, who is a mathematician at the University of Middlesex, says that even though these numbers provide an estimate, they help governments get a glimpse of what may happen next. However, given the surge of cases reported in India and the lack of good data, the actual scale of deaths are probably being missed, he says. Very upper estimates that they have in the New York Times article of over 4 million deaths. Um, I think those are on the pessimistic side. Um, so for me, I would feel that that's really is a worst case scenario. I'm not sure exactly where they come from, but I'm also not going to say they're impossible because the data we have is so poor in many ways at the moment that it would be foolish to rule out that you've had that many deaths. But I do feel that's a very pessimistic estimate. Now, why do you want to give your honest best guess about the number of deaths which have occurred? Because I think it does two things. One, it helps you to try to understand what might happen next, so to forecast, to prepare, to um, to, to kind of map what's happened and to build a sense of what might happen next, whether that's through direct modeling in, math, in a mathematical sense, or whether it's through modeling in a more vague sense where you have kind of narrative models of what are the possible scenarios which could unfold, for example, with vaccination taking place as well. So there's that aspect of um, trying to make these uh, estimates, but there's another aspect which is hopefully if people are estimating, then hopefully it does spur state governments, maybe even central government to say, okay, we need to properly map the impact of this pandemic, at least in terms of mortality. Otherwise, all these experts sitting around the world will be just speculating and bringing us into disrepute. So in a sense, hopefully it spurs at least some governments towards greater data transparency, greater data collection. So when it comes to trying to estimate the scale of death undercounting, I think it's a very complex problem. I think that there isn't any one method that you can use, but I can give you a broad feeling for what is, I think, a sensible set of ways to do it. And what are some of the difficulties and pitfalls with those ways of doing it? So what I think is sensible is where you have good data, where you have data of higher integrity. For example, if you have cities which release excess mortality data, all-cause mortality data, or if this is obtained by uh, news organizations, as was done in Gujarat, then what you can try to do is you can try to find out, you can try to ask, based on this data, what are the fatality rates that are occurring in these parts of the country, in those places? And then you can try to ask, based on that, if you have similar fatality rates occurring across the country, then what number of deaths would you expect? So in a sense, it's trying to use those areas where you have good data and not extrapolate directly um, because you can't just say, for example, undercounting was, there was undercounting by a factor of two there, so it must be by a factor of two throughout the country. I think that's the wrong approach. 
I think what you say is, okay, so what did this say about the fatality rate from COVID as far as we can tell there? And if that was the case across the country, what number of deaths would we expect? And when you do calculations like that, you still get a very wide range of possible answers, but at least you've got some sense of the scale at which deaths might be undercounted. Um, so in my kind of calculations that I've done so far, and this is mostly based on 2020 data, I said that I believe that the scale lies somewhere between three and eight times. So that was my broad prediction. It's obviously, there's a big range there. So the true number of deaths that occurred uh, in 2020 were between three and eight times the total. If you were to press me on what I believe the actual number was in there, I would say probably somewhere in the middle, around five times the total. And that's based on using available data from Mumbai, available data internationally. And um, when it comes to what's happening in this wave, uh, we don't yet have a lot of real-time data, so we don't have a lot to work with, but um, I would suggest that things are at least as bad this year in terms of undercounting. Maybe some things have improved, testing might have improved, it might have reached some rural areas where it didn't reach before, but you've also got a surge which is on such a huge scale that it's very likely that deaths are being missed as well. So although I wouldn't really hazard a guess about the scale of missing deaths in this wave, I would say I don't think it's likely to be much lower than it was last year. So that my broad thing is three to eight times. Obviously, there's a big range there. One thing that the report points out is that the undercounting of deaths is expected to be more prominent in a country like India since, quote unquote, for technical, cultural and logistical reasons, because hospitals are overwhelmed, many COVID deaths occur at home, especially in rural areas, and are omitted from the official count." End quote. Even though the rate of cases have stabilized in some parts of the country, the death rate has continued to be above 3,000 every day. But as the virus subsides in urban areas, rural India has become its next target, where majority of India's population lives. While most of the mainstream media reporting for the past few weeks has been focused on medical oxygen shortages and bed shortages in urban areas, the same cannot be said for rural India, where the access to basic healthcare is virtually non-existent. There are distinct realities between urban and rural India when it comes to COVID. Take Nashik, for example, where according to a Times of India report dated 28th May, rural parts of Nashik have reported 465 more COVID deaths than the Nashik city in the last three months. The same can be said about Indore as well, where four districts of Indore division have reported a positivity rate of less than 1%, but in Mahu, which is part of rural Indore and is a mere 30 minutes away from the main city, has reported 737 cases as of 20th May. But there have been reports that perhaps give us a glimpse of how badly rural India seems to be affected. The Bihar government on 10th May stated that a total of 71 bodies were fished out of the Ganga River in Bihar's Baksar. By 15th May, this number reached to 2,000 according to the Union Home Ministry. And the Quinn's ground report also paints a rather grim picture. The Quinn's special correspondent Asmita Nandi travelled on 24th May to Ghemar, a village on the UP-Bihar border, to investigate how the virus has led to a flood of bodies in and along the Ganga River. Uh, so actually, I reached a couple of days after the first photos and videos and reports had come out. So by the time I reached, uh, more of, most of the bodies were um, sort of clean, as in, as in they were buried by the administration on the banks of the river. What I learned from there, I spoke to a couple of uh, crematorium workers there that, and, and a couple of boatmen and people who, you know, uh, uh, ride the boat there. Uh, they said that 
they've been seeing bodies floating up in ganga over decades but uh, that usually happens as one or two i mean sometimes and very off, very rarely it happens uh, what happened in the for second week of may from around 10th may onwards was there were lots as in there were piles of bodies which floated up and which sort of uh, came to the shore came to the banks of the river and uh, i mean this ghat was located at the turn of the river as in this was a cremation ghat that was located at the turn of the river so obviously when the river is turning there are a lot of bodies which floated up at that corner area where you know there is no passage for them to float uh, down but you know the locals said that the bodies were being buried without following any covid protocols as such um now there were also um, nigrani samiti bolte hai like the vigil teams which were stationed along the river bank along uh, the cremation ground where uh, most of the and there was a notice board put up which said that you are not allowed to uh, float the bodies in ganga anymore you have to cremate them and if you don't have money the administration is going to pro- like provide you money so i asked them that you know why is this boat put up now is there always been a tradition or a ritual or a trend of floating bodies in the river in that case they said yeah so apparently uh, so in the in that area and i spoke to a couple of people near uh, some other villages along the ganga which said that there are some deaths uh, in these villages uh, where they do not float the bodies they uh, i mean where they do, where they do not cremate the bodies they ha- they floated because that's been the ritual for example if a young and uh, unmarried man dies of uh, accident or a saint dies then uh, those bodies are not cremated those bodies are floated uh, into the river uh, so now uh, and of course there were also the reason that due to the pandemic because the number of deaths increased if due to the pandemic see i don't again there was no testing happening in those in that village so nobody knows if the deaths which had suddenly increased like you know the cremation workers said that from around 3 uh, to 5 bodies there were above 30 35 bodies which were coming to the ghats regularly on a daily basis and everybody had a different number to offer like the cremation workers said 30 35 then there were eyewitnesses and locals who said above 50 bodies were coming every day and there was no way to uh, confirm whether those bodies are infected with covid or not so they don't and and see there was another controversy that you know these bodies were not from the up side they were coming from bihar and those villages and uh, the, even the locals were engaged with this fight that bihar was you know uh, people in bihar the deaths in bihar were higher and they were floating the bodies and they were coming to towards the up ghats uh, and all but again there is no way to prove it, any of it ki wo kahan se aane where the bodies are coming from and if the bodies have been infected with covid or not like you can't tell so uh, but uh, what i observed in gehmer is there was no there is no provision or facility of testing happening so you would never know if those bodies but there was definitely a surge in deaths if not overburdened crematoriums the lack of accessibility of primary healthcare and the rising cost of it has gripped rural india The Queen's correspondent Himanshi Dhaya who went to Meerut in Agra districts of UP says that the problem is not the lack of primary healthcare but in fact its complete non-existence in many of the villages in the state for the past several years. I've been hearing a lot of people say that you know the medical system or the healthcare system in rural India is broken. What I personally observed is that it isn't broken it just simply doesn't exist. there are uh, pub, uh, primary health centers and community health centers but they're just buildings they're just abandoned defunct buildings 
nobody has visited those centers for say 8 to 10 years and honestly this is not a problem which has suddenly come up it's not that you know with covid we've realized oh our healthcare centers don't work they've not been working for years it's just that now we're in the face of a crisis that uh, you know could ha- these these places these health centers could have played a very very crucial role in uh, you know averting the crisis but nobody visits there they're abandoned they're defunct and um, in merit in fact there's a visit there, there uh, there's a village i visited it's it's called gagol village two confirmed covid deaths i'm not even talking about the unaccounted or the unofficial number here two confirmed covid deaths had uh, happened in uh, you know within a uh, radius of 100 meters from the primary health center in the village so you know it's it's a huge irony that people who are literally living uh, closest in the closest proximity to a health center they cannot access it because it's not accessible one thing which is similar in every village i've been to and in fact i've spoken to volunteers in bihar as well this is not just about up uh, i've spoken to volunteers in bihar as well even there one problem which has remained universal in both the villages is that the primary health centers they don't work they're dysfunctional they're defunct and the villages have no place to go to technically these are the places which were supposed to uh, conduct tests these are the places which were supposed to vaccinate people but um, well they just don't exist Himanshi added that in Meerut the lack of testing and accessibility to medical facilities is preventing deaths being recorded in the district however in Agra the situation is reverse where healthcare and testing facilities are available but are not affordable leading to many underreported deaths i'll try to draw a comparison between Meerut and Agra here um Agra like you rightly pointed out is a slightly bigger city and uh, the villages the villagers also you know they had knowledge about corona virus but they more or less seem to downplay it you know they they were like okay go, yes covid is a problem but it mostly affects elderly or you know i saw a lot of people not wearing masks so in merit because of a lack of access and because of a lack of knowledge around the virus people were automatically scared so there was a village which which had, where people had self isolated themselves they imposed a imposed a lockdown and then you go to agra where uh, people know about the virus but then they sort of downplay it and uh, they like we don't need to wear a mask or uh, if, if if we're practicing social distancing then it's okay we step out without a mask another difference between the two city uh, the two cities was was that um, you know agra being a bigger city has more options in terms of hospitals uh, but affordability became a problem every family i spoke to uh, they told me that the moment you take a patient to the hospital they'd ask you to uh, deposit some uh, an amount uh, somewhere between 50000 rupees to 1 lakh rupees so uh, and you know the expense only keeps on increasing the number of days the patient stays in the hospital so if uh, if a patient stays in hospital for 5 to 7 days you're easily paying something between 7 to 10 lakh rupees which is a huge amount and all of this doesn't guarantee that the patient will recover so there are people who've spent um, you know 8 to 10 lakh rupees and uh, you know still lost a family member so the grief is also a big problem you spend so much money and you know you come back ho- home feeling helpless feeling dejected 
it's it's also a big problem so in merit people are scared they don't have access in agra people have access but they can't afford it so and also they're not that scared but while scrutiny rises over india's official numbers nationally and even internationally neither the center nor the state governments have shown any indication of trying to conduct audits to put the matter to rest currently jharkhand's chief minister hemant soren is the only cm to state that a death audit is being conducted in five districts of the state which are witnessing high deaths knowing how terribly the death data has been recorded in india how can states in india rectify the mistakes and conduct a fair death audit in their districts dr banerjee vezan you know when you have a chief minister who says well we actually want to genuinely honestly map the impact and i think that there are many ways that they could go about doing that so first i'm not really a demographer so i don't feel very expert on the methodologies but you would need to do a survey and if it's within one particular state then you do a statewide survey which tries to cover rural areas and urban areas um and give them the correct weighting according to you know the demographics of that state according to where the population resides and um very similar to other mortality surveys you ask people about did a death occur in the family ideally you ask a little bit more you try to find out what were the circumstances of the death whether there were symptoms of some kind um and later on you can try to piece that information together to get a sense of the extent of covid mortality so mortality surveying is something which i think would be a crucial thing that state governments could do if they are genuinely willing and keen to understand the impact of the pandemic on the state experts at ihme in seattle washington in april 2021 projected that estimated deaths in india due to the virus by 1st august will be 959561 however this number was based on official figures trends and if the vaccine distribution is scaled up over the coming 90 days while estimates may vary by statistical models one thing that can be confidently said is that the pandemic is much larger than the official figures portray the quint is trying to bring you the ground reality when the country is ravaged with this pandemic and that is not possible without your support and contributions because this involves a lot of risk a lot of time and a lot of effort you can contribute to our journalism by participating in our membership platform details of which are in our show notes if you like listening to this episode please subscribe to the big story for episodic updates we're available on apple google podcast spotify geo7 and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms for other podcasts please log on to the quint website and for any feedback please shoot an email to podcast@thequint.com thanks for listening Log on to the Quint website and check out our other podcasts. 